Welcome to the Dead Elephants podcast featuring Duncan and Chris. Looks like it's time to tackle another elephant in the room. Happy Friday, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to the podcast. Yep. We're back for another season. Uh, well, an episode. Yeah, really, not, not on a Friday. No. Right? We record on a Tuesday, but... True. We don't let them in on that little secret. That's right. And you could be listening to this anytime because it's a podcast. Yep. But it's good to be back. We're back for another episode. Today is probably a topic that's on my heart. Yeah, you brought this one up. Yeah. And so what we want to do is take a little moment first, Mm -hmm. I guess, and get to know you Mm. because we've now got a Discord server set up. Wow. I sent you a link to this. You did and I didn't click on it. Okay. So what we want to... I guess what we're trying to do is build a community here sure. where we can create safe spaces to ask those awkward questions, mm. but also have a space where we can flesh out the answers to those questions. And yep. I don't want to do it on social media. It's not a WhatsApp thing. And Why? so, Well, because social media is like the nightclub of the internet. <laughs> you know? Like, what does that mean? Well, it means that you go there to dance and have a good time. Sure. But you don't go there. Uh, but it's not the dinner table. You, you don't. Yeah, it's, this, I feel like these are much more of dinner table kind yep. of conversations. And so I think a Discord server might work really well for us because it gives us a place where we can form that community. We can moderate it a little bit better than we can on social media. Yep. And it forces you out of the nightclub and into the coffee shop. Yep. And so... Let's have conversations there. Uh, we're going to start sharing all the links for that yep. on social media. Well, I was going to say, how do people access the dinner table? Okay, yeah. So we'll, we'll put it up in the nightclub as a promotion and you can uh, uh, go to the link, yep. add yourself in, yep. and then you can join the conversation in between the episodes, ask further questions. Yep. And that also actually helps us with content to figure out, are we asking the awkward questions that you want an answer to. Yeah, because it's not just our questions that we have. We want to know what yours are. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Chris, you got a sharing question for us? Yes, and I th- I'm pretty sure I know the answer. In fact, I'm going to, yeah, I would probably bet my life on knowing the answer. Okay. Extrovert or introvert, what are you? Uh, I have argued for this that I am an ambivert. <laughs> That's so pretentious. Yeah, I'm both. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Listen, I know it's pretentious. I'm just a vert. I'm a vert. I'm both. Uh, I love a room uh-huh. and I love being a With nobody in it. I do. Yeah. So I started doing float tanks. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those crazy chambers where you're like stuck in a tiny coffin of water. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the water is the same temperature as your body, which is the same temperature as the air. Uh huh. So you feel like you're floating in a sea of nothingness. Wow. For how long? Uh, initially, I did float tanks for about an hour, but now I go in there for two hours, just sealed off from like, the world. Have you got one? Not here. What? Okay. They're uh, super expensive. Yeah. Okay. So I love introvert time as much as I do sure. extrovert time. Extra. So here's the thing: extroversion wears me out. But introversion time recharges me. Which I think by definition makes you an introvert. Okay, then I'm introvert. That's what I've heard is the definition. What recharges you? Oh, okay. Well, then it's introvert time. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm really glad I didn't bet my life on the answer then because I just lost my life. Really? Well, it's funny. I've met a few people who are very boisterous who've confided in me that they're actually introverts and the boisterousness is the almost the coping mechanism because you don't feel 100% comfortable in the extroverted environment. So you almost 
overdo it sometimes because you're not sure what the rules of engagement are. Yes. Yeah. Like to give you a frame of reference, after we record a podcast, yeah. I need to be alone. Yeah, you are shattered at the end of it. Exhausted. Yeah, I'm like, let's go again. And you're like, I'm done. That's it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I think I've answered the question. I'm, I'm an extrovert, which is funny because I could be wrong, but I probably project more introversion than you. And yet I think you're saying you're an introvert. I'm the opposite. Um, I, I love being around people. So at, so at the fantasy draft party, yeah. at the end of it, are you exhausted or excited? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, guys, can we not go home yet? Okay. Seriously. I'm like, can we just rage on? You see, that's the difference is that I am shattered and I don't want to so see him again funny. for a year. That is so funny. And you are like, let's keep going. I'm like, this is the praise. Let's, let's. <laughs> so it's, it scares me because there's talk of us doing a weekend away for the draft party up north. My, my dream come true. Okay. I, I am, I am up late at nights in a cold sweat about This that. is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you're an introvert and I'm an extrovert. That's right. Okay. Okay. All right. What All are we talking about today? Honor, shame. What is it and why are we talking about it? Well, I think we find ourselves in a culture where we've moved to this honour, shame type arrangement. So this, and anyone who's in the public space, anyone who's in a position of leadership, yep. we assign honour to them until mm-hmm. they do something wrong and then they're instantly put on shame island. Would you use cancel culture and honour shame synonymously like absolutely yeah okay yeah so cancel culture you're saying is like the modern version of this historical framework of thinking which we know is on a shame which my understanding is only uh being prescribed to either ancient cultures or non-western cultures yes it's almost like it's the non-western anthropology but it's now coming into the west and it's well and truly here yeah yeah, yeah, and I think I think the way that you know, because I'm a kid, so I frame it up like islands. Is that I think what we do is we we have all these uh, political social figures on a really profoundly good island. Mm-hmm. It's Honor Island, yep. and everybody wishes they could be on. Honor so people island. start on Honor Island by default. Oh, we raise them up to Honor Island. Sure. So we're plebs. Some of us are not even on honor or shame island. Yeah, we okay. just we're looking in from the outside, and so sometimes these people get elevated yep. to honor island, yep. and everyone wants to be there with them. But the moment they screw up, yep. boom, we put them on a one way flight to shame island forever, forever. There's no there's no return, mm. and so that's the cultural phenomena I think we have, yep. and it's one of the things that I've been so desperate to talk about on this podcast mm. is because how do we address that in a way that reconciles us because we are called to be reconcilers in Christ to a different island structure altogether. Yeah, because I mean my my theologian's hat says that that is the honor shame island paradigm is so incompatible with the gospel. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um where do you think this has come from? Why have why have we gotten here? When did it change? What's gone into it? Oof, that's a good question. So <sighs> We've seen two recent modern examples of this, certainly in the rise and fall of Mars Hill within yep. a Christian context. Um, Mark Driscoll has been um, kind of exiled yep. to Shame Island. Uh, the Hillsong latest mm. podcast uh, kind of regarding all their deepest, darkest secrets is another one of those examples, I think, where I don't know how Brian Houston comes back from Shame Island. Sure. Or Carl Lentz, for that matter. Sure. It is that... Where do we see this reconstruction? I 
I think it's because we don't have a healthy understanding of what leadership looks like. Okay. So we want to have role models in our life, yep. but our role models need to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's fair for anybody who is a role model to have an expectation of perfection. And the reality is, is the brighter the spotlight, the darker those shadows become mm-hmm. because of the exposure you have on whether that be a local, national or international stage. Yep. Because the light's shining brighter, which makes those sins, whatever they are, and we all have them, yep. darker. The nice thing for you and me is that nobody really cares who you or I are, and so the shadow's light. Sure. I make a mistake. Yep. Duncan's an idiot. Yep. We already knew that. Mark Driscoll makes yeah. a mistake. It turns out to be a bully. <laughs> Leader of thousands. Yeah. How dare he do something like that? It's like, mate. As if you and I haven't had a day where we're a jerk. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, an unhealthy expectation on what leaders should look like and what um, uh, role models should look like that we have to reshape. So you're not necessarily saying, um, to use the Driscoll example, the problem is not that uh, Acts 29 Mars Hill was the movement that it became and, and the size that it was. It's that in the growth of that, we put Driscoll on a pedestal that he was never going to be able to to meet. Oh my goodness. So yeah. the problem is not the growth or the size. The problem is the expectation of the person that goes with that growth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. If you say Mark Driscoll is going to be the savior of the sure. church, that is an unfair pedestal to put any single person on. All right. So let's keep going down this road because I, okay. If I look at the Driscoll example, which I know a little bit more about, I haven't listened to the Hillsong podcast. I've listened to the rise and fall podcast. So I'll speak about that. Um, there were repeated attempts for him to, I suppose, come back from Shame Island by the elders, by the governors that he chose not to exercise. If that podcast is true, which it sure. sounds like there was a lot of investigation. Um, I suppose the question, because I agree with you, like you can't have a system where one person on Honor Island puts a foot wrong and has got a life sentence to Shame Island. And yet at the same time, somewhere along the way, there has to be, if there's a lack of repentance, a point where you go, we're done here. Yeah. Where's the line? Yeah. I, listen, I think that's a great question. What they did in removing him from leadership was probably the right thing. Um, there's no doubt that there's a deep amount of um, hurt yep. and trauma that has been caused by his leadership. Yep. Sure, all those things are true. But what I'm saying is right now he's exiled in Phoenix. <laughs> he's running a great church yep. in Phoenix. Uh, he, he's probably got a different theological position than what he had. He yep. has a, a different style of communication, um, but he's exiled. Mm. So y- you go from a person who had zero accountability mm. in his life, mm. who had to be removed from that form of leadership because he wasn't listening to the advice of his friends, yep to now being exiled on Shame Island, but he is actually building a fairly significant church in Phoenix. Where are the accountability structures in his life now? And I think part of that is because there was no map to reconcile him in any way, shape or form. Have you got an idea of what that map, like let's play that now. He's got this church in Arizona. Let's assume that he's repentant. He's a changed man. He's learned from the mistakes. What, What does that look like? 
Well, I think at some stage you've got to befriend the like. If you want accountability in anyone's life, it's yep. got to start from a place of friendship. Yep. You can't swoop in at the eleventh hour and suddenly issue all these mm-hmm. mandates. To, so I I know certainly within Phoenix that there are a number of pastors in that community who have reached out to him who uh, befriended him. But you have to work on that friendship and work on that trust yep. so that you have permission to speak that accountability. If you don't do that, then you, you've got no framework for it. But I think it starts a whole lot sooner than that. Yep. I think at the, at the point of exile to Shame Island, if there was, and I don't, this may have already happened, maybe, you know, Keller or someone else mm. did this, um, have a roadmap to say, Mark, if you, if you ever want to be back in fellowship, yep. This is what it looks like. Yeah. And this is how we can restore you. Yep. But the problem is, is he's existing within an already toxic environment for this honor shame. And being what? What's the toxic environment? Honor shame. Honor shame is sure. toxic. We, and you're saying within Christianity. Absolutely. Not, not, just, not just in secular, not, not just in the world. I, I, I struggle with Christian celebrityism because it just feeds this, right? Yep. Ed Stetzer is great, but he's not perfect. Yeah. You know, I'm Dave Ferguson or whoever it was who's the exponential guy. Is a, yep. He's a great guy. Yeah. But he's not perfect. Yep. He's flawed. He's been given this incredible platform, but we, we want to rise these guys up like they're going to be the salvation of the church. It's yep. like, man, Jesus is the salvation yeah. of the church. I think that's good. And we all read the same book. Mm. He wins in the end. Mm. You know, and Ed says this, it's, this is an Ed Setzer line, is, is like I've read the conclusion, God wins. It's like, <laughs> amen, brother. Yeah. And his point is, it's not about me, it's about him. Mm. And I think the problem we have is we're so desperate for our churches or for our lives to to reach that fulfillment that we find in Christ Jesus. We want to circumvent it somehow mm. by doing a six-step plan that comes from, you know, a yep. celebrity. And it's like, why? Yep. Ed Stetz is pointing to you to scripture. And it's, by the way, this is just history repeating itself, right? Yep. Like Paul Paul says, you, you say you're of Apollos. Mm-hmm. And he goes through, this mm-hmm. is the same thing. Yep. Paul super, was super apostles. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's where I think we find ourselves. And what happens is social media just exacerbates yeah. that more and more and more and more and more. And so I don't think that there was any chance for Driscoll to find the path to reconciliation Ireland because he was already working in a broken system. I mean, what I'm hearing from you is that you're you're advocating for a preventative mindset rather than a curative one. That is, as people rise, let them rise. Yep. But recognize that they're still human and therefore when they start to fall, there's no surprise there, no one's shocked, no and therefore that guy doesn't get cancelled. They there's accountability, but you were never putting them on a pedestal that they could never meet up to in the first place. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's good. Like is, is George Pell mm-hmm. should be prosecuted mm-hmm. to the full extent of the law yep. for any um, uh, sexual abuse that either happened under his watch or directly happened as a result of him. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's go to jail. Yep. And do prison ministry on the inside, mm-hmm. okay? Because there needs to be an accountability for your actions. Mm-hmm. So, so don't hear me say uh, unequivocal forgiveness yep. for any leader who has fallen. Right? Carl Lentz needs to 
atone for his sins. Yep. There's accountability in place that means that he needs to address that mm-hmm. and it may mean that he's no longer in leadership. The same for Mark, the same for Brian, the same for anyone within the Hillsong movement who may have done these things. You need to have accountability for yep. your actions. But Jesus forgives you for your sins mm-hmm. and you are redeemed by the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. So they are not out of the fold. Yep. They're out of leadership. Yep. They're still a child of Christ. Yep. You see that my distinct and that's yep. the hard thing about reconciliation. So you're oh. you're actually saying shame is um it's not just the removal of the position, it's the removal of the dignity of the person. You you're still a child of Christ. Sure. And therefore treat the person as such. If if George Pell calls upon Jesus mm-hmm. as his Lord and King, mm. is he saved? Mm. Is he saved? Yeah. He is. So he's still a brother in Christ yep. who may or may not have committed some egregious sins. Yep. And I say that because I don't want to get into any sure. legal trouble. Yep. But uh, if he has, yep. he should be accountable yep. for him. Yep. And he should face punishment. Yep. Uh, he is also still saved by the blood of Christ. Sure. No, that, I got you. That's reconciliation. Mm. And that's the unease and messiness of what I think our new narrative needs to be. One of the interesting things as I was researching this was my first question was, are we actually in on a shame, first of all? Yeah. And one of the uh, things that I thought was interesting is historically and in non-Western cultures, on a shame operates in a community. So to use the Driscoll example, yeah. uh, Driscoll falls, therefore all of Mars Hill is dishonoured with him. Brutal. Yeah. We've nuanced it. So we've come out of individualism. So now we've we've kind of got this hybrid historical model of going, we will put you on Shame Island. Uh, we will not throw you out with your whole family as we might have in, in other contexts, but we will throw you out as an individual. So it's kind of, it's interesting that the person is not just thrown on that island with their people. Yeah. <laughs> They're now thrown on the island by themselves with no people. Yeah. Which you could argue is kind of even worse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what do you, with modern day right now, the big example I think in Australia is whatever Brian Houston's narrative Mm -hmm. is of his shortcomings. Yes. Suddenly Hillsong and and whether or not they've misappropriated funds. And again, I'm trying to keep my language cautious is hypothetically, if that were to be true. Yeah. Yep. Is there now, uh, a pariah for everything's wrong with the church. Mm-hmm. Hillsong is just an example of why churches need more accountability yep. and this this sucks now for everybody. Yep. And it's like, yeah, they're broken. Imagine if Brian um, decided that, um, you know, JD's wife was really beautiful and so secretly had JD killed so he could marry. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. But imagine that was the narrative. Yep. I mean, how do you think that like a, a church today would respond to something like that? Just to be clear, you're you're analog- analogizing Brian Houston to King David in scripture. Of course I yes. am. And then Chris Cook comes in months later with a little lamb. No, what's his name? Phil Pringle. Phil yeah. Pringle comes in. I was a like, little- who's Chris no. Cook? Phil Pringle comes in a little later yep. with a lamb yep. and suddenly brings Brian to his knees yep. You'd be like. So just to be clear, you're <laughs> you're saying King David uh, sleeps with Bathsheba, kills her husband Uriah, then marries her, then becomes this hero of the faith. 
Yeah. There was a, your point is there was a redemptive part or path out of Shame Island for King David. Why can't there be in the modern time as well? Yes. And, and if you look at that particular narrative for Scripture too, um, the blessing of the Lord is removed from David. Yep. And that is part of reconciliation mm. is that he has, before the Lord have I sinned, right, is that there's a clear acknowledgement of the mistakes he has made. Is he ever going to be friends with Uriah's family again? <laughs> there's no chance. Yep. But he's still a king of Yahweh. Yep. And until his rule is taken over by somebody else, yep. he still sits under the authority of Yahweh. He's very aware of that, but some of that that blessing has been removed from mm. him and placed on another. So it's not that he's been completely – your point is he's still got accountability on the one hand. Yes. And he also has a path to uh, reconciliation. Yes. Mm. And that's the big thing is that – because we have an established healthy accountability, we don't have the ability to create healthy reconciliation. Mm-hmm. That's that I think is part of the problem. Is honor shame is far easier. Yeah, well, it is. You, I mean, cancelling people. I learned this in pastoral ministry. Not quite cancelling, but the moment you choose to love somebody and make that choice, whatever that looks like, it's a costly time-intensive, emotionally-intensive decision, whereas it's much easier. And I remember saying in a sermon once, you know, 10 years ago, I never heard of the word, they're a toxic person. Yeah. This idea of toxicity. And it's like we oversimplify somebody, they're toxic or they're not toxic. And once they're toxic, it's over. There's no point. I'm just going to move on. I'm going to dust my hands of that person. And, you know, like people are not that simple. And I get that it's self-protective for you to go there toxic, therefore I won't go there. Yeah. But that's about you. That's not about them. Yeah. You know, I think Jesus, to, to extend this maybe too far, but I don't think so, Jesus goes to the toxic person. Yeah, okay. He, he loves them. He shows them a different way and that's how you transform somebody. Absolutely. You know, he doesn't go to Zacchaeus and go, sorry, toxic, move on. He says, no, Zacchaeus. Like there's accountability. Yep. Pay back your fraud. Zacchaeus is so moved by the dignity and love that Jesus shows him that he pays back fourfold. Um, it's easy to write somebody off is my point. Cancel culture is self-protective. Yep. But I don't think it's the way of Jesus. Which is where you can have healthy boundaries. Of course. Uh, and part of part of reconciliation is not a return to the past. So I love the interaction with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Yeah. Right. And okay, he's Jesus. I'm not going to have the same wisdom and foresight, right? <laughs> yeah. I read that and go, he has he has engineered that moment, you know, for this climax. And I love that he says to the Samaritan woman, yeah, you're right. You're not living with the man you're married to. In fact, you've been married five times. So it's not like he's like, because if that was me, I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. Five times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Who are you looking at now? Who's, who's going to be number six? You know, you yeah. want to appease that and you want it. But he goes, no, you've been married five times. That's not okay. Yep. And, not but, and at the same time, he shows her a dignity at that well that she has not received. Yep. And it's this beautiful multi-layered reality that says, I don't have to choose enabling your sin Mm -hmm. and I don't have to choose loving you. I can do both. I can call you out with accountability, Yep. challenge you with a different way, 
And while you're going through that process, I'm still going to treat you with complete love. And that's what actually transforms people. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's incredibly messy because yes. everyone's saying, uh, Jesus, what are you doing at a well that yep. time? That's when people like this lady go, yep. why are you associating with her? Yep. How dare you? Don't you know who she is yep. in this community? And what it requires is that there is going to be some sacrifice yep. of um, relational capital yep. by Jesus yeah. to allow him to minister yeah. to that woman. He's now coming into Shame Island. He's choosing to enter Shame Island. To rescue her. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's where so so this this is my big thing and why I think we have to reconstruct a reconciliation island is that this pervades everything. Mm. So the reason that we might not have the greatest leaders in Australia is because we've established a culture of honor shame. And mm. so what you get as a result of that is bureaucrats who are obsessed with ticking um, boxes, dotting I's and crossing T's. Yep. And they're not willing to make big decisions mm-hmm. that may be costly decisions, but are healthy for the community, even though we may not see it in the moment. Yep. Um, because if you trailblaze, you risk being put on Shame Island. Absolutely. So therefore, you, you to use this metaphor, you stay flailing about in the water on neither island. Yep. Because you're too scared that if you make a, a, a play for one of them, you'll get exiled to the other. So you do just enough to stay in office. <laughs> you know, there was I, I always get this wrong and it sits on the wall of the gym I train at, but there's a quote from Roosevelt that says a um, – Good leader, uh, what is it? a leader will take people where they want to go, but a good leader will take people not necessarily where they want to go, yep. but where they need to yeah. go. And we have lost that mm. because leadership becomes scared yeah. of getting ousted because mm. they make a mistake. Yep. But within a realm of reconciliation, you have permission to make a mistake. Yeah. But there's a path to reconciliation that doesn't lead us back to the sins of the past, yep. but leads us to a preferred tomorrow. And if you look at the the overarching narrative of scripture, we start in a garden yep. and we finish in a city yep. because we have a reconciling God who says we can't go back to fig leaves and bushes. Mm. We're going to Zion, mm. which is a new and preferred tomorrow mm. that avoids those sins of the past. <laughs> New and preferred tomorrow. I like that. And look, I think biblically um, there's a good case to be made that this is the way we must pursue. I think we see in church discipline, you know, warn a, warn a brother once, warn him twice. There is a point yep. where the unrepentant must be then sent out. Um, but even Paul says, uh, hand him over to Satan so that he might come back. Yeah. You know, so even at that point when um, externally – it looks like the person has now been sent to Shame Island, which they have yep. because they are unrepentant. That does not have to be a life sentence according to Paul. The hope is that as they are sent out of there, the unrepentant sinner, they will realise the error of their ways in that moment so that they can then be brought back in. Exactly. So there is a, there is a point where unrepentance must be held accountable. Mm-hmm. So there is a place for, for healthy Shame Island, I suppose. But you do, a you don't go there quickly, according to Paul, yep. and b there is a path back out of it, according to Paul. And I think we live in a world where a people are sent there quickly, and b there's no path back. And Paul would say, no, Shame Island must exist, but do it slowly 
and offer a way back. And I think that's the difference of the gospel. Yeah. There was, for me, a really telling moment at it was a Hillsong conference a few years back, but when everything was going down with Mark Driscoll mm. and he had been exiled, mm. Brian invited him in, you know, mm. and it's kind of hard because you, you, they're sitting there, uh, Mark, all in white with his wife and they're having a conversation with Brian. But of all the churches anywhere, Brian yep. was the first to kind of reach out an olive mm. branch and say, hey, you're not going to be a keynote speaker. Yep. You're not going to be our lead communicator, but we just want to check in on you and see yep. how you're doing. Yep. Is that at some point when the dust settles about all this Hillsong yep. stuff, you just want to see like a Rick Warren mm. reach out to Brian and Bobby mm. and just be like, are you okay? Yeah. And in our world, in that example, Rick, risks his own shame yep to invite brian in yes yeah it, it, you know like imagine that you've got america's pastor <laughs> which again i think is toxic sure <laughs> reaching out to uh, a a person who has been exiled from yep. the church and saying brother how you doing yeah how can i pray for you yeah right sinner saved by grace mm. so i listen i don't i don't know how we get there. Mm. Um, and I don't know how we champion a new narrative. Yep. But this is not just something for for Christians. Yep. I think it's something that we have to adopt nationally yep. and acknowledge that leaders made, make mistakes. Yep. They need to be accountable for their actions. Yep. But exiling people mm. only breeds a toxic leadership culture mm. that means the next guy that you get in is going to be less inspiring yeah, and he's less scared. excited because he's scared to leave. I'll give you a really stupid superficial example, but it shows it. And it's in the superficiality that shows how precarious we are. You know, when we started this podcast, I remember saying to you, it's, it's risky, it's dangerous. The whole premise of it is talking about grey, punchy issues. There was a moment in an early episode, and I can't remember which one, and this is so stupid to say in hindsight, but... You referenced T.D. Jakes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And full confession. Hold on, hold on. I just got to say this. I love <laughs> T.D. Jakes. And then that way you can aggregate that and take that to mean whatever you want it to mean. <laughs> I remember when you said that, I said something to the effect of, and I'm going to remove myself from that from that reference okay. in the episode. And I remember listening back to that going, oh, that is such a scared comment. To make now, I have never read any of T.D. Jakes's books. Yeah, I've listened to a couple of his sermons. I know that he is not uh, considered uh, couth in in the tribe that I find myself in. Yeah, and the moment that you championed something that T.D. Jakes said, I then felt like I was joining with you on Shame Island in my tribe. Oh, okay. You know, and I can only say this in hindsight as I was listening back to it. It was completely involuntary, but I remember listening back to it going- You got splattered with a little Yeah, with a little TD. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, that is so stupid. Like if that's my level of paranoia, forget that. You know, (laughs) another version, I remember uh, N.T. Wright's a bit of a divisive figure in the Anglican church where where I find myself. And I've got a good friend in ministry who loves N.T. Wright. And people at college were, you know, basically saying N.T. Wright's a heretic, N.T. Wright this, N.T. Wright that. Wow. And my friend said, oh, have, what have you read from N.T. Wright? He goes, I haven't. <laughs> you know, it's like 
Sorry, dude. Until you actually read it and know what you're it's engaging with, you, you can't put him on Shame Island by association. Yeah. And, and I, we have this attitude, certainly within Christian circles, that um, th- theologically yep. I've got it all right. <laughs> yeah. And I know that because that person yep. has one big thing wrong mm. and I can see it. It's mm. glaring and such. And so so you just do it. Oh, that's prosperity doctrine. Yep. Throw it out. Um, he's a, he's a uh, what is it, Unitarian, not yep. a Trinitarian. Yep. Throw him out. Yep. Baby, bathwater, yep. bathroom, <laughs> chuck him out. Yep. And I know that because my theology is bulletproof. Mm. And the truth is it's not. Yep. We are flawed. We are broken. What we need to know is the love of Jesus yep. is the thing that is going to sustain, renew, and recreate us. Yep. And then we start to build this architecture outside of that and the house gets bigger yep. and there's more nuance to it yep. and it gets more confusing and I'm saying, shake it, get back to Jesus because Jesus is hanging with tax collectors, mm. um, uh, prostitutes, mm. uh, centurions, <laughs> uh, you know, like Pharisees, a, Nicodemus. Pharisees. These are not people of good repute. Mm. These are people who are actively persecuting the church. Mm. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to eat meals with them. Yep. And I'm going to walk with them, and I'm going to—I'm basically going to depreciate all my social and cultural capital, yep. so that they might know the love that I have for them. Yep. And we get to a place where we're like flipping NT right, <laughs> heretic. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. And I love the idea of him transferring or using some of his capital. Like it's like that substitution on the cross, but but socially. Yes. You know, I'm going to choose to wear some of your shame. To yes. bring you back to honor, and I'm going to absorb that. I'm going to take some of my own strength. I'm going to give it to you in an effort to bring you back. Yeah, and I, I love that. And I think um, if I can speak more broadly to evangelism, if you like, yes, because this problem we've spoken a lot about it in the church, but I think what we're seeing in the church is just reflective of what's going on in culture more broadly. Mm-hmm. We are we are way. I'm convinced of this. We're way more militant now than we were 20 years ago. Like I remember doing uh, the end of my school certificate. And in English, the text was around um, postmodernism. Yeah. And the idea of postmodernism was your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. That's all fine. It's, it's, that is not the climate now. It's like my truth is my truth and it's the truth. And unless you play on my game, you're, you're out. And so this is how society is operating and honor shame is rife. If the church rather than, mirroring and reflecting what is happening in society can show a different path. I think that is one of the greatest, and it's it's not a strategy, but I'll use the word. That's one of the greatest evangelistic strategies we have. Yeah. You know, Acts 2, you see this early church, they do things differently. What happens? The Lord adds to their number daily. You know, people get attracted to that. And yep. I think rejecting on a shame and coming back to dare I say, living out the gospel, we might not be able to change society, but we can change our individual communities. And as we do that, we shine a light different to the way that everybody else is doing it. Because frankly, it's it's a scary world out there in honor shame when it is that precarious for people. 
it's even more dangerous for you to teach them a new narrative of reconciliation because now you have to expend mm-hmm. your trust capital mm-hmm. to convince someone that there's a better way, which is yeah. what Jesus is doing, by the way. And it's no guarantee that it will work. No. Nope. Right? There's no there's no guarantee of a Samaritan woman going back to her town and going, check out this guy, you know, like – yep. There's, it's not a formula. It's not like if you do this, then people will love you or then people will be saved. But I do think it's honouring to the name of Christ to, to follow in his footsteps, irrespective of the outcome. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, I feel like I could go on for another hour. Have you said anything that's shamed you today? No. No, I mean, I think I did want to touch on this idea that like of like bigotry and intolerance, but I wonder if we just save that for another oh, episode. More content. Yeah, okay, all right, we'll save that for later. There's a carrot. Um, All right, well, we'll wrap up this week. Again, check out the Discord server. Um, There's not a whole bunch of stuff on it, but as people start joining in, we'll start setting up uh, different boards and stuff. And, um, yeah, we want to keep the conversation going. We want to make sure that we're answering the right awkward questions. Yes. Uh, And so you can hit us up, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and now the Discord server. Oh, and by the way, Chris, mm. if people haven't left a review, yes, they need to, don't they? I'm learning more and more that like reviews are how you hack the algorithm. Absolutely. None of this, like five stars, beautiful, click that, thank you. Yes. But if you leave a comment. It's man, everything. Spotify loves it. Yeah. So if you, if you love it and you really do. And if you love us. Yeah. <laughs> if you love us, you'll do this for us. Completely conditional love. <laughs> Yeah, so hack the algorithm for us and leave a commented review on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Yep. Awesome. See you next week.